Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm Matt's older brother. I'm a writer. I'll be asking him the questions. With me is, of course, Matt. Matt, say hi. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. It's been a very long week. Uh, mm-hmm. As in my household, we had a breakthrough case of COVID. My son came down with COVID. Thankfully, he's doing much better, but I think it's a testament to the science of the vaccines and everything that's been going on in everybody's attempts to make us all safer. But it has been an exhausting week. Yeah. And that's why this episode is dropping a little later than usual. Normally, this would have already been on the air. And uh, so we got derailed, but we're back. I'm just happy that we're in a place where we can be back. Yes. And we're back to talk about Matt's most recent episode. Well, no. <laughs> it's, it's a little after the most Matt's recent episode. Matt's <laughs> penultimate <laughs> there you go. episode. This episode of our podcast, we're going to be talking about how nanotech can help solve the freshwater crisis. This is from Matt's channel that dropped on December 14th, 2021. And it is, of course, talking about desalinization and the issues around water that we are dealing with, not only here in the U.S., but worldwide. This is going to become a more pressing issue in the years to come, and it is going to be one that we are going to feel immediately. I don't think, and Matt, you can jump in at any point with your thoughts on this. I think that global warming is, even if you accept the science, Mm -hmm. is to a very large degree remains an abstract concept for most people. Very much. And this is not going to hit us. It's not going to hit us equally around the globe. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's like where you like I live in the Northeast. We're not going to get hit that hard by upcoming droughts. But the Southwest and the West Coast, they're going to get hit really hard in the coming years right. by this stuff. So, right. Depends on where you live. I think that this is this is an area where the immediacy of it and the longevity of it is going to be felt in a way that's different from changing weather patterns. Like mm-hmm. here in the Northeast, you mentioned we won't deal with drought. We do deal with the fact that I've brought this up on the channel before. New York City is no longer considered part of a temperate zone. We're now subtropical. That's a change due to climate change. We feel it in muggier, hotter, longer summers, warmer winters. Here we are, the final part of December. You know, the Christmas season is is here. New Year's is right around the corner, and there hasn't been a single snowflake in New York City, let alone temperatures that even feel like they'd be close enough to create snow. But again, that remains kind of abstract. But I think when it comes to the day when a major city, let's say Phoenix, is put down on water lockdown, Mm -hmm. when there simply is not enough water for a community to continue to function even close to normal, when households are requiring to purchase bottled water in order to sustain themselves. That is going to be a thing that people are going to feel immediately. And in some cases, probably it will feel rather permanent. Yes. Yeah. That's the, that's the scary part about it. It's like a lot of the climate stuff we're experiencing right now, it's very chaotic. So it's like, like, you know, how Texas got that cold snap that caused that horrible issue, but it's like, that's a one-off. It feels like a one-off thing. Like, okay, this right. is just a rare occurrence. This happens from a hurricane a, is terrible, yeah. but a hurricane feels like, well, now it's done. Yes. Or the tornadoes that ripped through yes. the Southeast a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely devastating. 
and described at the time as we've never seen storms like this in our lifetime. But it's easy once the storm is over for people to say, well, it'll be a long time before that happens again. Right. But when it comes but if to the city these, goes into lockdown for drought. Yes. Yeah. It's coming. It's becoming more and more normal year after year after year. It's building. And these are clearly permanent changes that are really starting to build. And so it's like in the coming decade, it's going to be interesting to see how different areas of the world react to this. And it's part of the reason why I wanted to make this video, because the scarcity of fresh drinking water is going to become harder and harder for certain regions. And it's, it's, it's kind of scary when you look at the trends of where things are going. Yes. Um, like I said, you and I are probably not going to experience a lot of this, but you know, I have friends that live out in the Southwest. They're going to be dealing with this in the coming decade. So it's, it's kind of scary. And you talked about, in particular, you drilled down on nanotech yes. and how it could help with desalinization plans. And you mentioned it, a number of different companies around the world and Saudi Arabia being a leader in this because Saudi Arabia really kind of in perfect position. One way that they're in a perfect position is due to a negative, clearly desert mm -hmm. society. The positive is they've are an incredibly wealthy society as well. So yes. they have the potential to say, we need to solve this. Therefore we're going to have to pump money into this to fix it. And really kind of creating a, I mean, all of this has that sci-fi ish feel to it, but when sci-fi is nanotech, it mm -hmm. becomes just part of the, oh, there's a filter in there. There's a filter that takes the salt out yes. as opposed to this goes back to the neom project mm -hmm. which is their strange sci-fi city built on a line with an artificial moon yes. yes like we're going to ignore the the linear aspect of the city we're going to ignore the artificial moon being flown over the heads of the you mean citizens we're going to ignore the crazy drones. the crazy we're ignore, <laughs> yeah we're going to ignore <laughs> the uh how many angels can you get to dance on the head of a pin yes questions and instead, we're just going to focus in on they've got an idea around creating effectively a giant covered pot in the middle of the desert that will be heated via solar energy. Yeah, it's a, it's a solar dome. And it's, I believe it's a UK company that's came up with this concept. It's the pilot project is going to be in Saudi Arabia as part of this Neom project to kind of prove out the concept. And part of what's hard about desalination is that it's expensive and it takes a lot of energy because reverse osmosis, which is the most common form, takes a lot of energy because you have to create a lot of pressure to push the water through the membrane to filter out the salts. And mm -hmm. there's other technologies that take less energy to get the same result out. And the solar dome is claiming that it can do that because it's using solar power to basically heat this pot to create steam that then collects literally on the roof and then just drips down. It's like this is the kind of stuff that you see like in like a survival movie of like somebody's yeah. stranded on a desert island and they put up a tarp and they're like capturing it's literally that's what they're doing they're just capturing right. the water vapor on the top of this dome and they collect it and in theory it's going to take far less energy and effort to get that water which means it's cheaper and it will it will be cleaner because it won't take a lot of like fossil fuel energy from power plants to generate all the energy they need in theory and that's why I keep saying in theory, because it's like, it's still not proven. There's a lot of skepticism around what they're claiming. Um, so the question is, can they do it? My thought looking at it is that they probably will be able to make it work. 
But then there's still the question of, which we can probably get to in a little bit later, but the brine. What do you do with the leftover salts that you're getting? Because what right. we're doing, no matter what the process is that you're using, no matter whether it's nanotechnology or just literally heating water and collecting the steam, you're going to be left over with all these salts and this leftover brine. And it's like, what do you do with that? Because when you just dump it in the ocean, it's like pouring salt into water. It's like it kind of goes to the bottom of the, the water first before it slowly disperses back into the, the main source. And so right. it creates a concentrated area of extra salty water, which suffocates the sea life. So it's like you can't just dump it into the ocean because you're going to basically kill all the sea life that's at the, where you're dumping it. So you have to find solutions to better disperse it into the water or to reuse the salts and other methods. And that's what Solar Dome is claiming they're going to do. Take those salts and use it for, get the lithium out of it for battery production, take the other salts out of it for grit and fertilizer and things like that that can be used in other industries. But I had somebody reach out to me and they did the calculations of how much salt is going to be produced by these facilities. And it's like a germ it's like i can't remember how many times like four times more salt than we actually need so it's like right <laughs> you're basically right. going to flood the market with all the salts that you don't need which is going to crash the price of salts and then you're just still going to have to figure out to, what to do with it it's going to have too much of it so it's right. this we have to find a way to to deal with it whether it's dumping in the ocean or what so it's like that is the giant question mark that i could not find a good answer on and it seems like nobody really has a good solid grasp of what to do with it yet well, there's always, it seems like there's always that, hey, I've got a, a crazy idea. And then that crazy idea creates a byproduct. Mm -hmm. And the crazy idea very often revolves around solving a problem. So mm -hmm. we don't have enough water. What are we going to do about that? Well, we could take salt out of this water. That would be fantastic. What do we do with all this salt? Well, that's somebody else's problem. So, that's, yeah. Do you think that there is <laughs> a movement? underway that says the water is the important part we can figure out what to do with the salt later that seems to be what's going on because there's such a desperate need in certain regions like we just need the water it's like we will figure this out later is the attitude that right now for somebody like me who's concerned about the environment it's just like i'm like well how, is anybody working on this problem because we need to be working on it it's kind of the same thing around batteries and solar panels it's one of the downsides that people say oh you can't recycle solar panels you can't recycle batteries. Well, now there's actually battery recycling companies springing up to fill that void. And they're going to make lots of money on recycling batteries. And then there's on the solar panel side, that's just starting now where there's companies that are trying to find better ways to recycle solar panels because there's going to be a flood of solar panels, which means there's going to be a lot of money to be made there too. Same thing's going to probably be here, but it's one of those, it feels like in this race, it feels like we're racing much further down the path than the other two I just, examples I brought up. It felt like they... Those two feel like they're kind of kind of keeping pace. And this one feels like desalination is like racing way off ahead and the figuring out what to do with the brine has not been figured out. Yeah. Two questions. Do you think that's because desalinating water at a certain level isn't actually super complicated? It's not like inventing no. solar panels. It's, no. it's literally like I could take a pot of salt water and if I had the right contraption with the you know, little coiled you know, metal tube to like, I could boil off the water and end up with clean water in a salty pot and I would have done what I needed. So it's like, this isn't new technology. This isn't a new idea. So do you think it's because th that technology, the nuances of the higher tech version of it are built upon something that is already pretty much a well-known tech that has always been out there? I mean, this is just my guess. 
but I have a feeling it's a little column A and a little column B. I think it's what mm -hmm. you just said. It's like, it's a simple process. It's like you have reverse osmosis, you have this, this membrane distillation method, and then you have basically like evaporating the water off and capturing it. It's like, right. we have these known techniques that are proven to work and some of them are better and more energy efficient and faster. And it's, it's some of them are better than others, but it's like, it's one of those, those are getting hashed out so quickly because we have a basic understanding of how to do it. And right. on the flip side, it's also, I think there's this abstract nature to this, like we talked about in the beginning, where people haven't been, they've kind of taken our eye off the ball. It's, it's a topic that really hasn't been looked at because it's in the background. It's like we haven't been looking at it. Right. And so it's like as desalination becomes more and more prevalent, more and more of a need of it becomes obvious. I think that's mm -hmm. when you're going to start to see more eyes on it going, holy, holy crap, what do we do about this? Right. So I think it's, it's, I, think it's I think the coming flood of, of brine, what to do the brine is coming. Who knows when it's going to happen, but there's going to, I think there's going to be an epiphany of, we have to figure this out. My other question is, do you think that the solution to what to do with all that brine would simply be, I don't know, like, do we just need a lot of pretzels? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know. Just throwing that out there. Little popcorns, pretzels. If it, if it works, I'm glad I did my part. Yes. So. I think one thing that's important to point out, and this follows in the trail that's been blazed by your previous videos the past few weeks, all of this is still in the lab. Even the one that is going to be a big installation in Saudi Arabia, that is effectively the lab. Well, it's one step past the lab. It's a pilot project. So it's, it's graduated right. from being in the lab to actually, hey, we've actually built something at scale, but we're still trying to figure out if it works. <laughs> so it's Right. It's a pilot project. Yeah. But the nanotech is still very much in the very way. early days. So yep. Yep. this falls into the area that we talked about last week, which was we know it works when it's just one little filter and one little glass of water, but trying to scale that up. Whole different ballgame. You broke our brains, especially with the graphic where you've got two different types of water going through a nozzle and it turns into a filament and it gets wrapped around it. <laughs> the coaxial spinning. <laughs> yes, the coaxial spinning, and you end up with something that looks like a bath scrub, and then that can be used. The salt doesn't get through it because it doesn't get wet, which I love. Yeah. Like it's too small to get wet. <laughs> All right. I'll take your word for it. All of that, the goal there is to end up with what is the ultimate focus of that project to end up with effectively just using the filtering process mm -hmm. and having, I would imagine, massive amounts of water going through a filtering, a literal physical filtering process. Yeah. I mean, th th that's that, the goal. That, the one I kind of focused on is membrane distillation, which unlike reverse osmosis, where you're basically just jamming the water through the filter, this is basically let it, using heat the the heat difference the temperature difference between the two sides basically pull the water through for you so it's 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 more energy efficient than the reverse osmosis process so that's the kind of goal they're going for is it's like okay reverse osmosis works it's proven we're using it today all over the place but this could be a better solution because it'll use less energy makes it more efficient and can make it cheaper and easier to do this process 
So that's what their, the goal is, is to come up with a cheaper, more efficient method of creating mm -hmm. fresh water than what we can do today. There was a lot of interesting conversation around this video, and I wanted to share this one comment from Mauro Bradich, who I think distilled, uh, you'll excuse <laughs> that, I, I was that say completely next. inadvertent pun. <laughs> the ferals do it by accident. We don't even try yes. and we can do puns. <laughs> he distilled a lot of, of the thinking into a, a few bullet points, which I wanted to get your thoughts on. He started off by saying, thank you for the great synopsis and the freshwater shortage. Definitely the great existential, one of the great existential problems facing our future. There are a couple of additional points to consider. Efficient dilution of brine could mitigate the environmental impact of discharging it. After all, mm -hmm. the fresh water extracted is minimal compared to the volume in the ocean and the salt was already dissolved in it. So efficient dilution of brine, I think that's an interesting concept yes. because what we're starting off with is actually the removal of water. So this would be the suggestion of a process where you would be reintroducing water into the brine to actually dilute it a little yep. bit before putting it back in the ocean. So would that be in the form of like a dilution station where you might take the brine and take it somewhere where there would be access to the ocean in the form of maybe vats of seawater that you would slowly add brine to and raise the level of salt in those vats and then re-release those into the ocean? Yeah. Would that be the kind of process that we're looking at? Yeah, this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. These are the solutions that have to be come up, we have to come up with. Because if you just take the brine and you dump it in the ocean, you're creating that problem. So you have to, it's kind of like um, in cooking, you know, like where you're taking a hot liquid and you're pouring it into like eggs. If you dump it all in at once, you create scrambled eggs, but you do it a little bit at a time and you can kind of slowly Get a meringue, the temperature. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that's the basic concept that he's describing for kind of adding that salt back into the ocean. We have to find a way to get it to a point where when we're actually putting it back in the ocean, it's already been kind of watered down and gotten to a level where it's not going to create the problems that we're seeing if you put mm -hmm. very high salt content back in too quickly. So it's like there's these different techniques. I had a, one of my patrons actually reached out to me and said he has a whole idea of how it could work. And he described how his idea could work. And it's like, I'm not an engineer, but what he described sounded very viable. And it was just like, there are different ideas that have to be tried because mm -hmm. it's going to be a difficult problem, but it's not an impossible problem. We just right. have to try different things. And it's, and it's going to depend on where the desalination plant is and where they are going to have to dump that back. So it's like some locations it's not going to be possible, but other locations it would be. So we have to have many different kind of tools in the tool chest to, to crack that. But I love that, that write up because that's a, a very good, yeah, a good explanation of how we could deal with it. There was also this in his comment pointing out that a few years back, there was big hype about potential graphene membranes able to filter salt water at very low pressure. And then the news went silent, mm -hmm. but perhaps there's more going on there. Do you have any more information about what might be happening with graphene? in potentially being used as a filter for something like this. It, it's still, it's, I, we were finding in the research on this, we were finding that exact thing come up again and again, but there hasn't been a ton of movement. There's been different things that have been tested in the lab and they work and the research looks promising. But again, going back from the lab to like a pilot project to an actual thing is a huge journey. And one of the problem with all graphene, all graphene, I don't care what you're talking about, is literally the production of graphene is tough. And right how to make it reliably and make it consistent for exactly what you need and how you need to use it is very difficult. So scaling up any kind of graphene prod, uh, product is a tough <laughs> road for whoever's attempting it right now. Um, it's getting better, but it's still tough. 
So I think that's one of the biggest things holding that one back where the Korean research I brought up, there's not a graphing issue. It's all known products. The coaxial spinning is something that's used a lot in different techniques for different products and different things. So it's using a lot of things that already exist and we know how to use. So it feels right. like that's going to be potential to get to the market faster than something like it's made from graphene. So I think that's the reason why we're not seeing much about it. Right. And Morrow's final point is to bring up renewable energy being used to power desalinization plants. Mm-hmm. I think this also goes into renewable energy. You mentioned graphene, producing graphene being difficult. All of the things that are being done right now would require manufacturing of the tech to do the filtering. That very manufacturing of the tech to do that could potentially use not only fossil fuels that could impact the environment, but also use up water in Mm -hmm. production. So mm-hmm. it becomes then the part of the cycle of the solution is to exacerbate the problem. Where do you see renewable energy entering into that cycle? Do you see it only standing on the side of the active running of the desalinization? Or do you see it having a role throughout the entire life cycle of the plan? Like, can renewable energy be a part of the production of the tech itself? It, in order to, and there's no reason to couldn't solve this problem. I don't see any reason why it couldn't. I think it could be part of the whole package. It is, as we started off this conversation, this is going to be an issue that is going to impact huge parts of the world, and it is going to impact them for a long time. And solutions like the ones that have been described in this video are the beginning, but I'm wondering, as Matt pointed out, one of his patrons jumping in and saying, I've got an idea. Do any of our listeners have ideas of their own? Do any of you see plans in your own local environs to be a part of this kind of change? Do you live in a city that is looking at introducing something like this? Or do you live in a city that has water conservation plans that are being put into place? Let us know. You can find the contact information in the podcast description. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can just scroll beneath the video and find the comment section. Don't forget, there are ways you can directly support the podcast. You can visit stilltbd.fm and you'll see a support the podcast link there that allows you to throw quarters at our head. You can also just on YouTube, scroll down to find the join button and there you will join us, join us, join (laughs) us. And while you're doing all of that, please be sure to give us a rating, a review, share us with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew gives me a big, refreshing glass of salt water. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in.